Darkly, what a bad that effort. Leipzig comes through. He's got another one. Just add it to the reel. Liba. Welcome to the Salty Bulldog, the podcast that was thrilled to see Toby Green extend his Premiership abstinence pledge by another two seasons. My name is Matthew Donald. I have Nick Glear with me in the studio as I do every other week. And if you enjoy seeing the Giants not win Premierships as much as we do, then be sure to subscribe to our podcast. You can check out the Salty Bulldog and all of our previous episodes throughout the season on Spotify and Apple Podcasts, as well as wherever you get all of your other podcasts in life. You can also check out all of our social media channels, including Twitter, by searching at the Salty Bulldog. You can also check us out on Facebook and YouTube by typing in the Salty Bulldog. We have our Instagram page, the.salty.bulldog, and our website too, www.thesaltybulldog.wixsite.com forward slash home. Nick, blip against Richmond, but back on track, back on the winner's list. Very nice. It is good to be back on the winner's boards. Uh, it's only a week that we weren't on the winner's board, but it felt very, uh, very terrifying and unusual in, uh, in comparison to the rest of this season, to say the least. So... You bring up the news, though, of course, mentioning there with Toby Green in that introduction. Very much like that intro. <laughs> the funny thing is, though, I found out about that there was, of course, an extension the night beforehand. I just didn't know who it was. And was figuring out, I thought it might have just been uh, Kelly, because, of course, it was to 2026. But uh, doesn't matter. I agree with that. He's not going to be winning any premierships anytime soon. So with that, though, you able to attend the game yesterday or were you not? Yes, I was there. So let's let's okay. shift the attention from the team that doesn't win premierships to a team that, that has actually won premierships, and certainly in colour television. And we'll go to the Bulldogs, swiftly onto the Bulldogs. I do yeah. take pride in my introductions, though, Nick, so I'm, I'm glad you enjoy them. I hope the, the No, no, that's a solid little snap at them. Well. We've got to do that. Uh, no. So, yeah, let's – because mm-hmm. there is – I mean, I feel like I say this every week, but there is a mountain to get through. There might even be a second mountain this week that we've got to get through. There's just so much content. We've got to get we might, need, we might need a fifth quarter, apparently, by the looks of it. Possibly, possibly the yeah. We were going, the way we were going yesterday, we might as well work at half time, but uh, <laughs> not to be. So let's let's go through. Let's go through. Let's get straight into the game. So obviously, we're recording this on on the Monday. We've um, and on the Sunday yesterday, the Western Bulldogs have made it seven and one, put their record to seven and one, maintained their standing in second spot on the ladder with a sixteen point win over Carlton, trailing by as much as twenty seven points at the twenty five minute mark. Of the third term, so left it left it late, but it's a fantastic run home. Mm. 16 11, 107. The Western Bulldogs, Carlton 13 13 91, in front of just over 27 and a half thousand. I think it was at Marvel Stadium. Headline Not a bad act- crowd for 320. Not a bad crowd for against Carlton, anyhow. I'd say could be was better, it? but I've seen worse. I was a little disappointed in the crowd. I would have thought for a, for a Carlton for a Carlton game in Melbourne. You'd be thinking thirty. Mm. You'd get thirty. Even on even on Mother's Day, that's the thing, though. Uh, maybe there's. I think, a... I think in comparison to that, I think it's not too bad. But you're Possibly. right. We've, we've had a few. We've had a few thirty-five pluses against them in recent years. Maybe Saturday nights. Maybe not Sunday afternoons. But no, I know what you're coming from. Maybe you're a bit. Yeah, I think you're a bit better at judging the crowds than I am. So I'll, I'll let you have that one. Uh, Josh Bruce was the headline act in front of goal as far as the Bulldogs were concerned. Uh, it, was, it was nice to see a Bulldogs play kicker back against Carlton for a change. 
kicking five goals, the headline act. I think he kicked at least a goal in every quarter. Of, uh, uh, maybe he can kick one in the first. Not the first. He kicked, he oh, hang kicked on. The, the supposed behind or oh, I'm gonna, been, I'm gonna, the I'm one gonna, over the post. I'm going to vent about that. Don't worry. I've Lockie, seen a couple of others. I think Rewalt vented about it too, actually. Well, not vented per se, but he was confused and uh, was against the, what's it called? The arc? What's the formula the that they use? Yeah, the arc. Is it the arc? Is it? Yeah, mm-hmm. he was a bit against that and short, uh, thought it should have been paid a goal. Hunter kicking kicking set shots is extraordinary. He kicked two, two of them. So yeah, he, he should break his hand more often. He kicked uh, two, as did Aaron Norton and uh, Anthony Scott, uh, both finding the scoreboard. So Norton, in that case, remained one of only two players to kick multiple mm. goals in every league match this season. Matt Tabernard from Fremantle will be the other one. So how do you look player, Tabernard? Sweet. What's the statistic about McRae, sorry? Um, uh, was it 30-plus in eight games or so? Not eight games. Was it? There's a there's a statistic around going there from Sir Swamp Thing, of course. He's a yeah, great I'll man. Get that that a, I'll get that to we the will moment. We'll get to that. Uh, I'll try to find that. Sweet kicking his first goal AFL uh, level. Johannes and Trelaw, Bontepelli and Lipinski each getting uh, goals as well. Bontepelli and McRae both at 32 disposals. So I think it's 30 plus possession games in the first eight rounds of the season. McRae is one of only two players to do it. David Thorpe was the other one. Now he was a former uh, Footscray player, David Thorpe. I'm not sure if he had that run while he was at Footscray or whether he might've been at Richmond, but certainly he won a lot of the ball when he was at, um, I think I reckon it was, I reckon it was when he was at Footscray. So here we go. So yes, 1971, 1971. So the only two players to manage 30-plus disposals in the first eight rounds of a season, both Bulldogs. Mm-hmm. And just and a couple more interesting figures. I've just looked again, um, how would you say, attribute Sir Swamp Thing from Twitter. Yes. That's, so for the leading goal kickers per the quarter, apparently Josh Bruce is tied with Toby Green for most uh, fourth quarter goals this season with seven. Well, he, I, think he's, uh, I think his performance against North certainly helped. He kicked four That there. does help. And also, if you want to look at the other end of the spectrum, Harry Mackay for the Blues has got 14 in, thir- in third terms. He kicked three of those yesterday against us. Uh, who else have we got? We've got uh, Dale, in terms of behinds, Norton with six behinds in the second quarter. So please fix that up. Dale and Liberatore with 27 disposals. But, uh, excellent. Liberatore, fantastic. Yeah, again, mm-hmm. 13 Dr- clearances for him. He's already almost overtaken his entire clearance tally last year. Dre found a fair bit of the football. He and Trelaw both at 23. They were leading possession getters for the Bulldogs. Bontepelli with the perfect 10 in the coaches' uh, vote. So he's up to 32 now. He's one behind McRae at club level. He's got 33. Liberatore and Bruce each got six votes. So that's a wrap-up of, of the match in terms of who, who were the headline acts, who starred. You weren't it's there, I'm assuming. No, no, I was not there. I had a family family duties, which was uh, perfectly fine for that. But I uh, got to watch it on the telly at home. And um, were you just as animated as me or vice versa? Because you and I can both fire up, I think, at a game. I think, actually, in the last few years, I've mellowed out a bit. To be fair, he has for the Salty Bulldog people. <laughs> and Matt, Matthew has a tad or so. He just leaves it to after the game to vent and rant and hurl abuse at the pancake parlor while we're at it. So yeah. that's how it works. I, no, I was because I was highly strong in uh 2017 in particular. Um yes, not, you and I alike, mate. Yeah, you not, and I alike. Not very good at dealing with the hunter or the hunted rather, being the hunted. Um I was very highly strong then. And I, 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 I think, think triggered is a better term, I think. No, no, I would <laughs> no, not triggered. No, I wasn't well, triggered. That'd be me then. That um, would be me. But certainly, I, I felt the pressure of being the team to beat. I think that's for sure. I think 
last year helped with with mellowing out, not being at the game, just being able to sort of relax a little bit more. Mm. Uh, and I think I've carried that into this year. So I've, I've mellowed out and I think what, and so I'm not as animated as I used to be at the football. I think what helped with that is that I went into the game feeling like we were going to be up against it, sort of expecting that the Carlton were going to play the way that they had for the first three quarters. And I took, take the, took to Twitter, as I often do during the matches, and I said at halftime we were 12 points down. We were entering statistically our, our worst quarter of the year. Third quarters have not been our friend. I don't think we've won a third quarter all season, actually, uh, including, including yesterday. And we're up against a side that historically in the beverage era as we've won we've won two of the eight third quarters. And yesterday, of course, was it was that that was a loss in the third term, wasn't it? We lost, yeah, yeah, we lost yesterday. Yeah, twelve to six. Term. Yeah, so we lost the third term. So yeah, only two of eight this year then. So I'm guessing actually one of them will be against North. We'd suspect so. We would also maybe probably suspect the Collingwood game. Possibly. Yeah, I'm gonna. Yeah, I'm I wouldn't think it'd be. Yeah, I'm just gonna state the Collingwood game. Yeah, I, I reckon. That, I think you're right. Uh, so, and, and as I said, a side that historically matches up pretty well against us, and, and that sounds mm. a bit odd to say, because you want because the teams change so much so quickly mm. over over the years. You wonder mm. how it happens, and it's not really something that that's explained. But Carl, not the only example of this as as far as the Bulldogs are concerned. St Kilda are another side. Um, that, Even that Frio too. That, yeah, yeah they, they they tend to match up quite well against us. Uh, and it's, it's, regardless of where the side's on the ladder, and if you're looking for examples on the other side of the coin, look at our records against Sydney and Essendon. And I don't think, um, I don't think, I don't think under Beveridge we've lost against Essendon and Sydney we may have lost twice, I believe. Yeah, 2017 and 2018. Early yeah. on. So on that, because you bring up records and, you know, having your bunny teams and such, it sounds so strange to bring it up against Carlson, because considering under beverage, we're actually seven and two against the Blues. And at least five of those seven, there's been a heart attack. In fairness, wins, that is. In fairness, I wouldn't suspect that many of those have been easy wins. Not at all. That's the thing. So we can say 2015 was a bit of a struggle. 2016 it was shaping up to be a blow. Fairly before, comfortable. Before a couple of injuries that ran halftime, you know, JJ yeah. and I forgot who I was actually got injured that day, but they pegged the margin back. 2017, that was a struggle. 2018 on both occasions were, was a struggle. Uh, we're not going to bother about 2019. Last well, year, again. One. Not the first one. Even the second one, we've all well, forgotten completely. Well, twice we got out to a five goal lead and, and twice it got Indeed. pegged back. Scald have matched up pretty well. And when they're up with 27 points with about five minutes to go in the third term, they missed some chances in that third term. And I think if exactly. Williams, that was a big Williams, one. Williams, Mackay as well, um, missed one. And if they had to kick one of those, I reckon it is game over. Was, was this the check side? That was, was the, that check the check side. side? Yes, that, that was, was the check, check side. side miss. And I've spoken a bit about how this side's matured. And I think and I think a mature side is able to recognize when they've got to go. And they, and as opposed to going in the mindset, well, look, let's just get to three quarter time. You know, we are conceding another one. They recognize that they've actually, there's an opportunity to trim the margin and a couple of, um, couple of really big moments uh, with Norton kicking that goal. I think Bruce mm. got a, got another mm. one as well. And then that gets you within a couple of kicks. And then mm. the margin goes from being, well, you know, Carlton's, Carlton's to lose. We really got to chase it now to, oh, hang on, we're right in this. And then you get another goal at the start of last quarter and suddenly it's in single figures. That's a big thing too, because with Hunter kicking that set shot 
first goal in those circumstances is always yeah. quite important, isn't it? Yeah. But you were leading up and discussing those uh, two goals earlier. So that was from Bruce and Norton at the back end of the third. Um, in the lead up before those goals, because I know I certainly felt it, admittedly watching from home, but I could definitely see a shift in the in the game. I think it was a passionate play from, uh, I don't know which wing it is or where you were sitting in particular, but at least on the on the, the television screen, on the far end of the screen, you could see Bailey Dale winning a couple of contests there and such. And I could sort of feel a shift in the momentum. What was it for you? Because this was before those two goals, exactly. And you could see, and the commentators would bring it up as well, that yes, there has been a, a readjustment of sorts that the dogs have put forward. What did you visually see in terms of those adjustments? To be honest, I, I sort of felt like we were we were out of the game and, and I mean, it's it's obvi- obviously we were chasing it just because of the, the nature of the scoreboard, but I, I felt like we weren't really in the contest until we got within a kick. I'd say, so Bontempelli takes that mark and kicks that goal and you're going, hang on. Now we're, we're looking all right. But but again, you don't sort of, you're not fully committed until you hit the front because it's very easy to get within a kick and then Carlton get a goal back and stretch mm-hmm. it out to a, to a kick and a half again. And it was, and you mentioned the Hunter goal and it sort of goes on your theory, doesn't it, of a comeback that you've got to kick three goals in a row for, for you to be serious. So we get those two goals before three quarter time. But if Carlton get the first goal of the last quarter, Suddenly it becomes four goals again and just, just a four goal game and it just yeah, makes it hard I, again. I think there was one patch which still, you know, was very nervous towards the towards the latter stages of the game. And when Norton overturned a free kick, when the ball was just about uh, yeah. to be kicked back into our 50 from Caleb Daniel, yep. we've seen these types of moments occur throughout a game. I think I don't remember when exactly it was. So I just know that. Uh, well, I'm pretty sure we were still in, in front then, but you could see that certain things unfolding with, and you mentioned maturity, um, Bulldog side from maybe a year or two, maybe three years ago, the opposition tends to then on those moments capitalise on it. Yeah, they got the other end us. get a goal. It would, it would be one of those goals that, that hurts for days. And you could strangely see it, is it going to happen? The unfolding of those events. And to see Keith, who actually was pretty good, he just wasn't able to contain Mackay for, for that third term, but he kept him to one goal for three quarters for at least that part. Yeah. And Mackay, what did Mackay kick? Four, four, one. So he had seven kicks, five of those were scoring shots. So it says at least in that regard, it's hard to ignore the scoreboard factor, but it says at least around the ground and all these other things, he's done his job in preventing him from putting his teammates at least in the position to score as well. So it's just one poor quarter there, but that great mark for him, that specky of such, I'm sure yeah. that wowed you too. Oh, that was, that was a big moment. That was a big moment, actually. That was sort of yeah. like, it's a, it's a stupid comparison, but it was at least somewhat similar to the rough head mark in the grand final. You know, oh, okay. No, no, no. no, no, no it's pumping it up a bit. No, it's, it's a stupid comparison. But it's, it's one a, of those things a, that sort a, of shuts a, the door down a bit, doesn't it? It's a, it's a good mark. Yeah, it's a good yeah. mark, but you may as well compare it to Leo Barry if you're going to compare. I might as well. I might as well. No, but you know what I'm coming from. I, I, it's sort of I, shut I get the door it. Sort right of, now. yeah. yeah. I, Just add an extra ninety-five thousand people yeah. or whatever it is on top of that. So yeah, it's a bit of yeah. a stretch, but I, I get. Yeah, in terms of like match situation, um, yeah, and you know timing, and it's got some similarities, mm. but. I don't think we'll be going. Not as I don't think in fifty said, years' yeah. time we're going to be remembering the not Alex Keith mark. No. Did he have a? Did he have a? Not a black eye, but he sort of. Yeah, I saw something like that. Yeah, I did. Speaking of moments, because you, you've sure. speaking of moments, I wanted to mention because you know I I don't like to rant. You know that. 
Um, but I wanted to talk about not, not on screen anyhow. Oh, not ever, not ever. But I wanted to talk about the the moment, in the first quarter where Josh Bruce takes the mark and and kicks the goal. Now, this is this is part of the. I, I had a terrible weekend with with uh, ref, video referee decisions. Just a shocking weekend. Just did not work for me at all. And anyone who follows Tottenham will know exactly what I'm talking about. Bruce kicks the goal and look, there's a bit of debate about it because I, I didn't, I mean, I thought it was a goal straight away, but it was close. It wasn't like a dead surf goal. Um, certainly worth having a look at, but I thought it was a goal from where I was sitting. I was sitting on the broadcast wing. So the angles that you've got normally where the camera is pretty similar to what I had. I think they showed live. They showed it from like the forward pocket or something. So what you saw live was different to what I see live, but anyway, you know what I mean? Then they go upstairs to it because you know every goal is silently reviewed we're told and i'm having a look at it and one thing that that stood out to me with you got the guy who does the talking he says looking at these angles we can see whatever he always uses the word clearly this time he didn't <laughs> it's a little it's a little thing but but my point with this is that you it's not it's you can't say that it's clearly a point those angles don't show that it's clearly a point. And the re and the only reason you can overturn a decision like that is if it, if you if the goal umpire has clearly got it wrong or there's something that's been overlooked. It's, they it's use there the for, angles that we see on the telly. At that's all, what yeah, the, that, at the broadcast. I wonder. Or, I don't believe they do. To be fair to them. Well, what we're told we is yeah. What we're told is that what we see what what people in the arc see. So they're not given any extra angles or anything like oh, that. Oh, is that but, right? Okay. Yeah. Well, that that's what that's yeah. So that's that's what we're told that what we see is so they exactly go what off they the see. worst angles possible <laughs> so they're going of yeah so they're going off every, what you saw is what they went off mm-hmm. yeah i mean if they're to be i just don't know why they way. i don't know why they don't put all they need is two cameras literally get rid of the seven or eight cameras that they use all you need is two cameras at the top of each goal post Actually, yeah the, the, uh, the main goals and then you can get the vision down the ground and you get the vision below of the goal line that's my, it my, my brother has suggested angles. that that's all you need that's literally it but I, I don't. Uh, I just don't understand. Yeah, I don't. I don't understand how you can say. I mean, the, the that system is there for overturning blatantly incorrect decisions. That's not a blatantly incorrect decision. That's a fifty-fifty that you just you just go with umpires call on. And the fact that he didn't use the word clearly, it's, it just sort of it just highlights my point. It's not clear. If the if the no, goal says it's conclusive evidence, yeah, yeah. I mean, turn. a reasonable person has to look at that and go, oh yeah, well, that's that's definitely a point. Like there's there's no I mean you've got you've got to you've got to say there's no doubt. I mean it's it's like it's a it, yeah, if there's any sort of doubt, you just go with the umpire's call. I mean, otherwise, what's the point having them there? No, seriously. Or to an extent, what's the point then using the not the technology, what's the point not having the technology being put to the best use possible? Well, you know, ma- if I don't, I agree with the umpire. Yeah. Well, I'm just well, saying if they're no going to prob- use the technology, then you can either back it and trust it. Yeah. Or I've got no problem it again. with the technology. I'll, I'll never have a problem with the technology. What I'll have a problem with is the technology being, being know, abused, but being manipulated to an extent, not, not even manipulated, but just being, just being used incorrectly. Mistrusted it's, it's, and misguided. It's not being yeah. used. It's not being used for the reason it's brought in. It's being used to guess tight calls in that instance because no one can say that's definitely a point. I mean, it doesn't, and it doesn't matter who or, or what team. Like if, if no one can say that's definitely a point, no one could say it's definitely. Vice versa, the goal umpire yeah. is paid to make a decision. 
I don't know what her name was, but she thought it was a goal. Um, just, just go with it because you can't say with any great certainty, unless of course there's something else that they're using that, that, that we're not seeing. That's the only thing. But again, they're telling us that what we see is what they see and that that's, that's it. So if they, if that's what they're going off of, I just think that's the, I, I just think that's a, a mistake. I think they're just, and it wasn't the, the only mistake. I could go around a couple of deliberate. Um, oh, the <laughs> that's one of the weirdest calls. I think, did, have you seen the footage from uh, Cam Zerhar though for the Pies North game? I saw have you that seen one the, as well, the, yeah. That, okay, that is, possi- that is probably, I know you mentioned like this, the worst call and then the week after there's the next worst call. Yeah, that probably every call is the worst, worst call, decision. but there's some, there was yeah, a real head scratches. Themselves. I've never seen a competition top itself that much in terms of the worst decisions. You might have, you might, if you were at home, you might have seen Lewis Young's in the VFL as well. <laughs> Unfortunately, too busy, but oh, should I have to look it up? Oh, no, up. he's booted at forward 60 meters. <laughs> he's been pinged deliberate. So, so, is it very similar to the one that Montagna got pinged back in like 2011? Oh, where he's listen. kicked it from the halfback flank and it bounced 40 meters inboard. And then something, it trickled out. Something, that, maybe something like that. Anyway, we'll talk about the hell. we'll talk about the VFL later. Uh, Bukakamas, obviously, uh, it was a great day of celebration for for Bukakamas and 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 everyone associated with him, really, because this has been a story that that's been a couple of decades in the making, really. Uh, born, I think, in I've, I've really, I'm not sure if I got it right. I think born in Sudan, possibly growing up in South Sudan. Um, or maybe maybe born and grew up in South Sudan. To come to Australia, I think he might have only been, well, he was only a kid. Uh, he's grown to, to love AFL almost the moment he picked up a football. Uh, part of the Bulldogs' next generation academy, um, which is means the system's completely ruined, by the way. We should just add that in, that he can just join us via as a next-gen academy. How dare, he, how dare he be, you know, not taken in 89 draft picks in yep. 2018 or whatever it was. Fell to the fell to the club as a, as a category B rookie, which of course meant that no no club made a bid on him. Uh, spent two years virtually in the background, I would say, as Bulldogs uh, fan. I mean, we we've been sitting here every every week for the past few years, looking at the players, looking at teams, who comes in, who comes out, what, what's going to go. Karmas has, has virtually been a non mention, barely barely raised an eyebrow up until the start of the preseason that match against Melbourne. And suddenly we, we got to see a little bit more of him and we liked it. And then he's obviously impressed in the VFL. He was good against the Bull Ants last week. Uh, sorry. Yeah. Well, the week before last weekend. Um, we, and then that prompted him to get the call up that he's had a debut. He's very lively early. I don't know if it was a I fantastic it. story. I liked it a lot from him. I thought considering he had a range of opponents and he's still at times got caught out. Strangely enough, um, spending time on bets. I don't know what that was all yeah, about. But but it's interesting too because we know that his the intention is of course to play him as again once more we love our intercepting players and he's very good at that. And it suits our aggressive mind uh, aggressive mindset of our halfbacks or our any of our defenders, you know. I think I like his I like his ball use. So even from from the Apple game, but even from VFL level two, he does seem willing to back himself and to pinpoint certain passes. Seems to be filled with a lot of that confidence from from Rowan Smith too. He seems to instill a lot of that belief into those players down, that, down the back line. And you look at it too, you make comparison with a lot of our other halfbacks, Dale, Daniel, and then Williams, all penetrating kicks. Now, Carlos is obviously a fair bit of weight 
of that at the moment, but it's something that I can see becoming a talent of his, something that it can be a trait that becomes instilled within his own game down the track. Um, but we know he's a, he's a fantastic mark. How did you feel when he went for that particular leap early in the game for his almost second touch? Yeah, I, I loved it. I loved the first kick he got. It was gifted to him because it was out in the full. It was nice. He got a um, heck of a reception for him. He did, he? yeah. He, he, got, he, got a, he got a top quality reception, which was fantastic. I, I brought a smile to, to my face. I, I love the way he went about it. He... When I when I was watching him play, I just all that was going through my head is that some at some stage he's just going to get a complete rush of blood to the head, and he's going to do something that something could diabolical that's going to result in a disastrous turnover. Well, and, it, and almost did. There was, it almost did. There was there was almost did. That was was that the Smith? Was it Smith? Or yeah, I think it was. I think it was Smith. Yeah. I think it was Smith. Yeah. And it was going back with the flight. Yeah, and, and it, three or something. It wasn't. It was the negative thing. I just because I was like, because when he got ball in hand, I was afraid that he was going to like panic. The reason that I thought that was because he just exuded or exuded so much confidence, like too much confidence. Every time he got the ball, it felt like he just wanted to do something extraordinary. And I think that's a great mindset to have. And I would rather a player be like that than a player that sort of goes into their shell. Mm, because exactly once, what we did the week before. Yeah, because one, because it, because if if because you then you don't have to teach a player that. You don't have to teach a player to have that. You've just got to teach a player to harness it. And I reckon that would be a lot easier to do than to teach a, to, to actually teach a player to develop those skills. I love the way he attacked the ball. I love the way he wasn't afraid to take the game on, take opponents on. He was very lively. He sort of faded, particularly in the first quarter. He was very lively. I think he faded out of the game a bit after that. And I think you, you've got some numbers on um, that he didn't not, have not much involvement many, yeah, in the last quarter. No, I think it was about 18%. Because I think Beveridge made mention in his presser that um, they noticed that he probably wasn't struggling to, to face the game, sorry, to finish the game off. I don't know how much of a difference it is between AFL game time compared to VFL game time. You know, there's still the yeah. same amount of actual, you know, 20 minute quarters and time on and such. But I don't know whether it's the pace of the game or, or probably a bit more running that's required. For instance, well, I think you've but, got. Mm-hmm. I think you need. I think there's. You got to cover more ground. I think in AFL level, mm-hmm. it's it's faster and it's mm-hmm. hard, it's harder in terms of you know the players run harder and faster than they do at VFL level because the AFL level is, is, you know, this is the pinnacle. This is, is this is the, the elite VFL is a tough competition. Let's make no mistake about that. But AFL is an, is another step up and it is a huge step up. And we see so many great players at VFL level that for whatever reason, cannot make the great AFL level. And there's a reason for that. It is, it is another step up entirely. And Karmas is someone that they've, that they've said, and a few people made mention of it, that ability wise, never an issue. Is never ever a problem with Karmas. Always very good at reading the ball, good at using the ball. You now that that athleticism, that confidence to take the game on, that that's that's always been there. The fitness has been what he's needed to work on. And I remember distinctly when the combine came around. This is when he was about to be drafted by the Bulldogs. He finished last in the two K time trial, and that's that that was what was holding him back. And and they mentioned it in that video that we've all seen it of uh, him being presented with his jumper. They mentioned that that's what was holding him back. That's what was keeping him as far away from the size of what he was. He's still not there, 
which I think is highlighted by the fact that, you know, he wasn't able to run out in the game. But the fact that he's he's got himself a taste of senior football suggests that he has come a long way and that he's heading in the right direction. And he will get better. He's still only 20 or something like that. He's very young. Mm. I think you, what did you mention long before there about harnessing that particular energy and confidence? Well, yeah, with, with the footy, of course, there too, with Karmas anyhow, it's... It's different because you're trying to focus a lot more on the maturity aspect and you're trying to say, you know, you've got to slow the game down. You've got to be able to, to read moments within a match, okay? And that, of course, comes with, with more match awareness, with understanding his role in the team. And again, probably again, reigning in that confidence a little bit. Not the attitude, but just knowing when to pick your moments. Yeah. The thing is, and you mentioned there's those things. He can do that stuff, obviously. We know he clearly, he clearly can and he showed it in BFL level. I think it's probably a lot closer than many would think if we forget the the endurance section, because we know that if you have to be, if you're down back and you're having to be a, a great reader of the ball in the air, you have to be knowing when to pick your moments to go forward or when to not, you know, you've got to have that confidence still to back yourself in the air, but it's choosing the right time to do so. Oh yeah. So if, no, he can, if he yeah. can harness, if he can harness that type of confidence there or know when to, to perfect such timing, it will no doubt happen in the other end of the spectrum in terms of knowing when to go, when not to go. And I didn't mind that too, even from um, that Lockie McNeil as well. There was times where he had to go. Yeah. And even Anthony Scott too, because I'll, I'll touch on them like, uh, in my piece when I finish that off. Um, those two boys have uh, started to, to catch on pretty well. They don't, they don't have a lot to do, but they don't do a lot wrong now. They seem far more settled in the side. They seem, they seem far more content and, and understanding it and they feel like as if they to an extent belong in the team we've yeah. got in six starts for no is it six starts sorry seven starts for Lockie McNeil or seven and oh in the one game he has not registered a touch or got onto the field before. six I think Clip. it is is it six, six. Is it? he was the medical sub against the Giants against the, and the Tigers ah but he came, came on against the, field the Giants against Yes. So we still won that so match. Six, so that's technically so six starts and one mm. and one sub appearance. Starting to feel like we're talking yeah. about soccer again. Yeah. It's interesting, isn't it? But no, it's nice to see that. So I think we had five players. Maybe correct me on this. I've got to double check, but I think it's five players under 10 games uh, on the weekend. Now it's not, you know, great numbers like what we've seen previously before with the rebuilding side. And we're not in that stage anymore. You know, we're in flag mode and pressing through the numbers and such. But it's interesting to see us still bringing in players of um you know that that extent you know the ones that are fringe types or ones that might need to see to be given an opportunity per se and how they how they mesh with it and you sort of saw this at the again at the start of 2016 and sometimes even through 2015 but you saw that at the start of 2016 when you see Dunkley get get it go you see McLean filling in for Dixon and such at the early portion of the season of course Marcus Adams and all these other types they've been given that version of responsibility quite soon in their AFL careers. Do you think there's any sort of similarities or a lot more than that? I feel I feel all the similarities in 2016. Yeah, absolutely. For for a lot of for a lot of reasons. Uh, but yes, yeah, so certainly I think the only difference I would say now is that the players that are leading the charge are not 21, 22, 20. No, we got to see we got to see their 25, 26 year old versions then as yes. you know, 20 year olds, but now we're just now we're seeing those players ready that are, yeah, they're actually 25, 26, 27. Yeah. So Bontepelli, McRae, Dunkley, mm-hmm. uh, players like Trelaw, 
Uh, Norton's starting to sort of get towards that age bracket a bit now. Bruce is he's still he's probably still twenty two and a bit. I'd say I don't yeah. know exactly, but Norton. I, okay, I'd suggest he would be. I couldn't say, but I believe he is. Well, this is his fourth season now, so yeah, you might be right. Actually, twenty two. It feels a lot. It feels like he's been a lot around for a while now. Norton starting to get used to. Key, key he's, no, he's not. He's not even. He's twenty one, and oh, wow. according to AFL tables, twenty one. A year and 160 days. So oh, he's wow. still got another right 205 days to go. To reach a lot of, lot of time to improve on those set shots. But, and, and even in 2016, these, as you said, those kids were being brought in, like Dunkley was being brought in. Uh, Daniel was being brought in. Uh, Daniel, was playing, of course, too. McLe- even, was even playing Williams a lot of games. McLean, Williams, yes. As well. Williams, Dale. Obviously, that was Marcus Adams' first season. He came in, made an impact straight away. Uh, the great Kieran Collins as well. Yeah, Kieran Collins. Um, he still could be waiting on his premiership medal if we ever change those rules, actually. He and uh, Mitch Honeychurch, who I do like. I think he's more likely to get a premiership medal, unfortunately, than Chris Grant getting his brain low. That's the strangest thing. I wonder who's going to get theirs first. Yeah, we'll have to find. We'll have to put that question. That would be an interesting first. poll, actually. Who should get their uh, medallion first, brown low or premiership? Now, you've mentioned changes to... Decide you're saying uh, McNeil's been a bit out, in and out. And so we, we've got to talk about so a, a favorite term. This is not a term that I think has been coined by this. This may well be coined by the great man Alex Doherty himself. Bevo's okay. selection bingo, it's called. It's a great game because there are no winners. This <laughs> is just, just a whole lot of losers um, in terms of supporters, you know, their favorite player. Now nah, you're gone. Uh, for those who play super coach, no, nah, sorry, he's he's been dropped this week. For anyone who wants to see the Bulldogs win now, we're just going to get this joint amalgamation of, of ins and outs. On a more serious note, this is something that has been a theme with beverage, uh, beverage coaching and that regularly after a win, there will be multiple changes made. And even, even, even after a win, now Nick's shaking his head here with a bit of a wry smile on his face. He's th- he thinks this is great. This is a bit of a serious point though, because... At the start of the season, for the first month, we were sort of sitting here. We were four and zero, comfortably top of the ladder. We're playing fantastic football, and then we go into to round five. We beat the Suns, make it five and zero. We win. We win by ten goals. Still top of the ladder, looking good. We, we had an ordinary third quarter that day, but honestly, we still won by ten goals. You can't complain too much. But during that time, the side had remained fairly settled, only making changes really when they had to. I think they had to make a change with. Uh, Ryan Gardner obviously getting injured. They had to make a change there. I think they they dropped uh, Mitch Wallace because he'd been out of form for the first couple of weeks. And I think Lipinski and pretty much it was just the inclusion of yeah Lipinski and JJ. That was pretty much it for the most part. Yeah, but yeah, you're right. There was that level of continuity. Then they made five changes against the Gold Coast. One of them forced because uh, Stefan Martin they because he was carrying some sort of injury. They brought Jordan Sweden for his debut. Uh, they. Actually, no, it, was, it wasn't, no, it wasn't that game. Sorry. No, that was, they, I can't remember how many changes they made for the Suns game. It was into the Giants game. They made four, possibly five changes. I think you mentioned to me five, and then I think it eventually leads up to three, and then maybe another five. Is that so right? five against the Giants, heading into the Giants after the Gold Coast game, five changes, one forced. So they've brought in, no, sorry, none forced. Sorry. What, no, one forced. Bailey Williams had his shoulder. Okay, fine. Uh, against the Gold Coast. He injured his shoulder. Fine, take him out. That's that's fine. You got to replace injured players. They brought in Stefan Martin to replace Jordan Sweet. Okay, that's fine. You take out a debuted. Stefan Martin is his first team quality. He's fit. Put him in. Okay, no problems there. Then they dropped Lewis Young, and I don't want to 
rant on about Lewis Young forever, but I, I didn't think it was worth dropping him. Because I think to drop him after one, like even if he did play a bad game, which I don't think he did, to drop him after one poor game, I thought was harsh. Given especially how well he played the week before against Brisbane, then I'm trying to think who else they dropped after that as well, because they replaced Young with well, Cordy. Well, technically, McNeil. They dropped at the subway. He was dropped, doesn't he? Yes. No. They dropped. Mc, they, dropped. So they've dropped McNeil, and they've made him the the medical sub, and obviously he got his reprieve. But they was still dropped Pinsky? him. Would have Lipinski have been dropped? I don't think Lipinski was dropped. Ah, Kavara was dropped as the medical sub. Oh, yes. The one uh, possession think, in the yeah. fourth quarter in the so, Suns game. Okay. So the young one harsh. The young one harsh after one debatable ordinary game. McNeil harsh, I think, because he was finding his fear. I, I don't know whether it was really worth dropping him, uh, especially when they – I can't remember who they brought in directly to replace him. It could well have been John. would have – yeah, might have well, might have, as well have been John. Kavara, um, Kavara Harsh. He's a medical sub. Um, they've, I mean, look, they've said the Bulldogs at, at the start of the, the season, they're not going to have a player, any player, be the medical sub for consecutive weeks. I get that. Yeah. Um, because you want them to maintain some sort of continuity at either level. But when you promote a guy from the VFL, because it technically counts as a game, you promote him from the VFL, to the AFL as the medical sub, which suggests he's getting closer to the senior selection. He was an emergency. Mm. Then that you play. A shout for- out to that journalist there regarding Jamara Ugal. Hagan, Hagan being named Hagan. emergency, though. Yeah, Hagan. Yeah, okay, Hagan. Yeah, yeah. Should, be, should be a shout out to him there I as well. Wasn't gonna, so. I wasn't going to go to Juno. I think I will, though. Okay. No, that's fine. You, you, you go with that. He plays one quarter in a game that's done, and then they drop him. And it looks like it's it looks like it's a decision based on form because he's getting closer to the senior selection and they just boot him back down to VFL and he's not named emergency next week. That's harsh. So there's four that are quite harsh, I think. I can't really justify any of them. I could justify, oh no, so I could justify Jordan Sweet for for Martin. That's fine. The other three, I think, were a bit harsh. And that and it's it's fine to make those changes if you want to make those changes. But then what happens the week later complicates that. It sort of smacks you in the face, doesn't yeah. it? It's sort of like a it's like a reverse insult to an extent. Three it- injuries. Dunkley, English, Jong. That's three changes you've got to make. So all of a sudden, we're looking at eight changes in two weeks, and we've won both games. And it, it doesn't really make a lot of sense. And yet, some of the four of them are injury related, four of them are not. And when you make, and it's all well and good making those changes when you lose, because obviously you want to change something. But when you're coming off a ten goal win, what are the what, what are you looking to change? What what do you think is that that much of a concern that bringing in players in the VFL who, by the way, weren't in sparkling form. Kavara probably deserved the call up. I'm not sure whether uh, the other players came in did. I mean, I think Jong was all right for a couple of games. Um, I don't know about Cordy. I've still got my questions over, over Cordy coming in for, for young, it wasn't yeah, like Cordy. You can tune into last oh, week's episode. That yeah, the particular yeah, segment a, on that. That was a mod has all been changed to the same Cordy show. Have a, have a listen to that. Yeah. And then after the Giants game, which we've won, we then had to make another two changes. One, f- uh, yet yeah, so no. After the Giants game, three changes. Then after yeah, the John. Yep. yep. Then after the, then after the Tigers game, another two changes. One forced. It's okay. But then you're looking at this week. Now, assuming English, Gardner, and Bailey Williams are all fit, that's three changes minimum. 
minimum. Before you even start looking at the VFL, seeing if you want to reward anyone for, for good form, that's three changes at a minimum you've got to make. So within three weeks, you've overturned half the side and you've got a record of three and one. I just think when you're making changes like that, you, you open yourself up to disjointing the, the chemistry because you look at the Giants game and we were, we were patchy for three quarters. We, we walked away with it in the end. Very good performance in the last quarter, but took a while to walk away from them. Richmond, we were patchy all game. Even though we had the lead at halftime, we were patchy in the first half. We got punished for it in the third term. And yesterday against Carlton, we were patchy for most of the game as well. I just think when, issue, isn't it? when you over when you're overturning half of the side within three weeks, like it's a, that's that's eleven changes just about. It's ten or eleven changes. It's too mm. many, especially when you're winning. Because you it just, depends where these changes are as well, Matt. I think okay because you mentioned a lot of these things. A bit some of them, of course, are structural based. You know, with English and then Martin and then, and to an extent the way we've played Bailey Williams at times this year, at least early in the season, as yeah. somewhat of a makeshift key position player, but. A lot of these guys are rather important cogs into the lineup, of course. Yeah. Um, it, it's it disjoints a lot, of course, of the cohesion that we've seen from the group. And I, I do, I know, what you, I know what you're coming from. I, I definitely respect that idea too. Is you're right. You've you back the group and you've trusted them well enough to get you into the position that they were in, which was you know ultimately five and zero, and then yeah. become six and zero. And then there's a lot of there's a lot of changes to the lineup, some bewildering and some, uh, of course, required. You know, injuries happen and you've just got to deal with it. But I think it's probably the wrong time to have done such things. Yeah, Ab- I mean, abs- I absolutely. And look, hindsight is is twenty twenty. But I, and and the other thing that that I've forget as well, it's not like everyone in the side at the moment is performing. I mean, there's a couple of players who and I don't want to. I don't want to beat down on players. I did enough for that last week and I probably shouldn't have. But if you want to bring in those players, then you've got to worry about who comes out. And, you know, you don't want to bring in three talls and take out three smalls. But there are, but there are players who are underperforming that you sort of got to carry because you don't want to make that extra change. Mm. And I think if you're just making unnecessary changes just of, of one game, I think that's when you, you back yourself into a corner because mm. you sort of, you have your, you, you, you tie a hand behind, or you tie your hands behind your back. Because you, you can't you can't afford or don't think that making another move is going to be detrimental to the to the rest of the side. No, it was it was a little bit like for a very small portion of this year, the selection wise and bringing in players sort of was a bit similar to what twenty seventeen was at times. Maybe not the the constant changing per se, but the exact opposite. I think in twenty seventeen there seemed to be a, there seemed to be too much faith in the side. And when changes were required, they weren't made. Make this year, it's, it's a complete, the complete flip of that, isn't it? You know, yeah. We wouldn't think there needs to be a, a mass amount. You know, generally, in terms of a winning side, you might average two changes yeah. at the most part. And one of them would generally be forced, of course. And but sometimes to having mass changes, and you mentioned like we've almost overhauled half the side. I'm trying to do a bit of the numbers too. Ironically, yeah. though, we've we've done a bit of a fair flip when you go from the, uh, I think it was the Brisbane game up until the most recently completed Carlton match, there's been 17 of the 22 that day that are back into the lineup. So it's, it's in other words, saying with those numbers that you've mentioned before, you know, five there, three there, another three and two yeah. or such, it's ironic that half of those changes have found their way back into the side 
genuinely and the, and the other half haven't and it's, so and it's that, sort of like it's a bit it's weird it's, isn't that it? it's like change for the sake of change or yeah some of them of course structural it, some of them feel injuries like, for sure yeah, yeah some of them feel like change for the for the sake of change and it, and it leads on and we've, we've got to get moving but it leads on to the the comments that either scott west or scott west's partner made um basically i've, I've tried to, i'll try to get it up but basically what um we've, we've got is a situation where uh either Scott or, or his partner, because it's a joint Facebook account. Having a go- the comment at, has said been deleted though. That might've been deleted yesterday afternoon. Uh, such, so yeah. 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 So it's, it's, it has, yeah. So it has been deleted, but the comment says, uh, well done beverage. This is in response to the team uh, news where another couple of changes were made. That's how you manage young players. Yes, he is my son, but seriously, you make him wait for five weeks, all of excellent form and stats in the VFL. You play him against the best team of the last five years and yes, didn't play well, but then you drop him. Absolutely disgraceful management. It's not personal against Jason Johannesson, but three possessions. Are you serious? Is the question. Let me add Shaki to this argument. Poor kid gets kicked in the guts by everyone. Apparently it is his and Riley's fault they lost last week. That okay. Um, I'll I'll get your thoughts on it. Mine are probably different to a lot of people's. Um, at the end of the day, Scott West is is a fan. He's not got any sort of coaching or ambassadorial role that I'm aware of. He not, may not be connected to the club. No. Maybe associated with sense. the with the past players association, but there's no direct affiliation with the club. There, he is a he is a he's a fan of note. Absolutely. Seven best and fairest team of the century uh, member AFL hall of Famer. Absolutely a noteworthy fan, but a fan he's entitled to his opinion. And obviously he is going to be have more invested in this sort of debate than most, given that he's got a kid that's running around this involves Riley, obviously. I think he's entitled to his opinion. I don't think he's, I don't think he's hurting anybody. Um, by making those sorts of comments. It's probably not the right thing to make, but I, it's probably not the right thing to say. Certainly you're not going to see me go off on a, on a rant like that. I wouldn't have thought. Um, not there. Maybe behind closed doors. Maybe. I don't know his connection to Beveridge because he would have been playing when Beveridge was on the list, wasn't he? All those years back. Oh, uh, there, yeah, there would have been, been. Yeah. Yeah. yeah so I'm wondering, played. I'm wondering if there would have been, how those two would have got on with each other. So they could have been a quite this is a line. long, long time they, ago. We're talking that is this a sort of play that relationship. Is a, this yeah. is this is you know pushing 30 years now, 25, 30 yeah, years. That's a long, yeah, long time a long ago. Time. Mm. Um what, there's what nothing you, really there to bring him back to an extent. But no, yeah. what what did what did, what did you make of it? Yeah. Mm. Oh, I could tell you Facebook was lit with that conversation. <laughs> that was that was fun to read. Oh man. This is why you don't see me on, on Facebook anymore. Um, I get to I get to avoid all of these delightful encounters. Oh, no one gets to see you bar me every Monday night, and maybe on the on the match days, I'll tell you pretty much. I'm so, sure they're all missing me. I'm sure they would be. So, <laughs> what can I say about that? Now, I, well, as you're right, he is well entitled to his opinion. I do think there is a correct time and place, and if you're going to bring it up, you don't tend to to bring it up on a forum in particular. Yeah. Because um, th that's not going to add anything of note. Because there, the forums. Uh, probably the strangest places to put information up on there because it's it, just going to cause a lot of disruption from the fan base. Some are going to split here. Some are going to jump there. Yeah. I kind of, I do tend to agree with him though in, in some aspects, because I, I think this is, it's, it's a bit like what I was saying earlier about sort of disjointing chemistry, but more so for the individual rather for the team, you've got Scott and, oh, sorry, you've got Riley and, and Josh 
shouldn't really refer to my first name, but you've got Riley Weston and Shanky who have played a combined one game of AFL level in the previous 12 months leading up to that. This is a big, big game. Yeah. It's their first game of the season. And as I say, they've played one game combined in the previous 12 months. I think Riley played in the match against Adelaide and Josh hasn't, Josh hadn't played for 12 months beforehand. Yeah, since the and they're, match, and they're, Yeah, and they're being thrown into a game against the reigning champs who, uh, you know, who have a sting in the in the tail and uh, firing bullets on Friday night, the MCG. Like, it's a difficult environment to throw a player in. Mm-hmm. And look, it's not their fault. They had to come in because we had injuries. You see? These are the forced um, changes, people. This is yeah, where it makes yeah, this sense. Is, this and, is the and, forced and people changes, weren't yeah. disputing them. People were not disputing the inclusion at the time of Shaggy. We were pretty content to see him come in. Yep. We were pretty content yeah. to see Riley West come in. And people mentioned saying, oh, we lost at its election, or for instance. And no, people love using that as, a, as an excuse. Mm-hmm. Tell you. Those two, Regardless. and I've, I mentioned it with player ratings, those two absolutely deserved the opportunity. Like they, they were not gifted that. Sure, there were injuries, but their form warranted an inclusion and an opportunity mm-hmm. in the senior side anyway. Maybe they wouldn't have got it if there weren't injuries, but they deserve their chance. And it's a bit like what I was saying with Lewis Young. They have a they have an ordinary game. Okay, they weren't great. I'm not going to sugarcoat that. But to drop them after one game is harsh. I'm, I'm Especially when there's, sense. there's there's nothing that they've barely played at that level for mm. 12 months. One game between mm. the two of them for 12 months. You bring him in in the most difficult environment, but mm. outside of a final. And then you drop them after one game. It's just, it's, it's unfair. And especially given there was better to play West as a sub last week, maybe, maybe again, it goes back into the case of them with McNeil too. Cause now obviously you mentioned before and the club has stated this, they don't like to have back to back medical subs. And that was the case anyway, although McNeil did play almost all of the games a week before. Yeah. Um, Yeah. I wonder what would have happened then because this week again, he was, now, he wasn't the medical sub. He was the medical sub this week, West. Medical sub was, was West, yes. So by that logic, and Shaggy wasn't have to be named or he's yep. going to have to be dropped again, which is going to infuriate. And let's and, be and honest. confuse the bejesus out of things again too. So Look, they may count as a game, but if you're named as the medical sub, that's effectively dropped. I'd you, say so, yes, dropped. You, Yeah, you're in not no man's land, but you're hovering always between that mid-ground yeah. at the moment. You're and good enough, but... Shaggy wasn't even replaced, really. Now, English did come back in. Stephen Martin went out. They brought in Jordan Sweet to ruck the whole game. I just thought it was, I just thought it was really harsh. I thought it was really harsh. Um, I, I could look if, if I English if English if English named. came back if English came back. Mm-hmm. Look, I'd have been fine with that, right? Because it's a like for like replacement. But they didn't really replace Shaggy. No, but I can see the logic for it though. Not the not the dropping per se. I think in terms of Shaggy, I think you've got to not look at it as dropping on that respective game. I think you've got to look at it as a dropping more on the fact for matchups and you can't play three key position. He's not key position per se, but you can't play three tours against that Carlton back line, which is pretty nifty and nimble unless they genuinely bring the ball. Well, the thing is they've got to be marking everything there because if the ball goes around and Carlton's back up, they're going to be sweeping it like no tomorrow. And that fortunately was not the case on Sunday afternoon with Bruce in fine form. Uh, unfortunately, Norton, Wilson just needed to he needed he, to probably be a bit better in the one on ones. He did have he wagering's did, a star. He did have his made he made his moments count though. Norton. He did. That's the he thing. And that's the exact count. that's exact thing which is which people do tend to forget about with Harry Mackay and Norton. So both of them, you know, they were strong in patches, and as you say, they're making it count when they get the chance. Yeah. But they were both respectively well held for the day. Yeah, 
he said Norton kicked his two. Mackay, yeah, he did kick his four, but he said three of those came in, you know, a half of one quarter. Where, and Keith did a fine job in him for the rest of the match. Likewise, Wade, I think he had seven seven contested marks. I think it was Wade and intercepts. Yeah, that's Wade. amazing numbers. Yeah, seven contested marks. He's he only did. had three as his max before this, but. He, he, did have a, he did have a yeah. good game. Where you know, I made mention earlier on Liam Jones. Woolmarks inside the Bulldogs forward 50 yesterday and then did his entire career at the Bulldogs. <laughs> he probably did. He probably did, to be honest. <laughs> but if only, if, oh, only, if, only he, if only we were that good at kicking it to him when he was playing for us. Anyway, look, no. there is there is a lot of stuff that unfortunately we're not going to be able to get through today. But I think we covered most of the key talking points. Uh, from from the weekend, there's still a, there's still a couple more that we wanted that I wanted to go through uh, injuries because there's a, there's a few of those obviously we've mentioned Garden Gardner Ryan Gardner English and Williams all chances to return this week and will be will be greatly uh, appreciated their their return against Port Adelaide so this will be this is a really good game this one this is this is a test we didn't pass the test against Richmond got a chance here for you know to really make a statement because if we go over there and beat Port Adelaide in Adelaide. I mean, we, then you, no one can deny that we are the real deal this year. This, no, but this, this month, not this month, this six. Yeah, okay. Well, this yeah, month leading into the bye. Quick fire question. question. So yep. we've got Port, we've got St Kilda, we've got Melbourne, we've got... Fremantle um, in Perth. Is it Freo? Thank you, Freo. And then we've got Geelong and then we've got West Coast. All right, so we've seen the first, oh, the first oh. third of the season, yep. we probably, not overperformed, but, you know, we've done what we should. People we've shown that we've got the ability. Yeah. Yeah. We've shown that we've so got we the probably probably should have won five games. I'm not saying we should have specifically won five, but you know we would have been content with winning five of the first six, seven. We've exceeded that. Yeah. Going to the next middle block of this six to seven game stretch. Right now we're sitting one on one in this six or seven game block with yes. Richmond and Carlton. Yep. What's how, how would you suspect? What is a pass mark for you in this next uh, six games? Because this is the, the next the next six games. Where are the Geelong the West and West Coast games being played? Because Over there do... and uh, probably the Cattery. Yeah. Okay. So, so we've got two games at Marvel. We've got Melbourne and St Kilda. We've got Port Adelaide and Adelaide, Frio and Perth, Geelong and Geelong, and West Coast in Perth. Why? Why is it we can't ever play Frio down here? And we play them. We played them <laughs> twice. I think I mentioned this to Brad after the um. What game did I see you at? The, the Richmond game. Richmond, yeah. I think I mentioned yeah. this to Brad then that we've only played Fremantle under the roof in 2014, 2016, 2018, maybe 2013. We've probably played them maybe four times in the past decade. Okay, well, I'll, I'll, barely, I'll, I'll, I'll ask you, we've probably barely played I'll ask you a question about that. What's the pass mark over the next six games? What are the aspirations? What's okay, a pass so, mark for the season? What what should what should they be aspiring for? Should they be aspiring for top four, top two, just to win a final premiership? I'd, I'd obviously every obviously the aim least. is a premiership. Yeah, yeah like, I'd be saying top two. Top two moment. minimum. I'd say top two. The top team, two. I don't know if it's good enough for it, but I'd say go top, for it now. Top you two. might as well be there. Minimum four. Minimum four. Yeah, minimum four. Minimum, minimum four. Minimum four of the like next six said, weeks. Indeed, I agree. It's like what I said to you yesterday, though. We were in a position to win the game. So this is like in the context of this season. So you've got to take it. We're yeah. in the position that says top four minimum. You, you're, three, you're three goals up at three quarter time. You're basically Carlton yesterday. Yeah. yeah. So you've got to take this opportunity. Yeah. And we've got, so against Paul's, I regardless, doesn't matter if it's an Adelaide, I'm expecting a win. 
I couldn't care that it's in Adelaide. I couldn't care that it's poor. I'd be expecting to win because we're good enough for it. Now, in yesterday's... And the case too. Yep. Likewise with Melbourne and, and all the others, I'd be stating in terms of legitimacy, minimum, minimum three out of six. But you start pushing up anywhere north of four, then you've got to be starting to to turn your top four to top two scale. I think if you can win greater than four out of six in those matches, that I think that's really got to be sets it up hugely. Yeah. I think that's got to be the aim. It's got to be the minimum, four out of six. Uh, Hunter broke his hand yesterday, Lockie Hunter, and he played through the match. He's had surgery uh, tonight on the Monday. Mark Stevens says that the club are hopeful that he'll get up this week. So that'll be a wait and see on that one and then maybe a fourth change. Um, McLean, Toby McLean, great story. And I don't know if we'd reported on this, but he's returned to full unrestricted training last week. I think it was mentioned on the Twitter page. Yeah. Uh, Now, Stefan Martin missed last week's game to an Achilles problem. He's likely to keep him out for the Port Adelaide game as well. So we could well see Jordan Sweet get another opportunity. And just on the VFL, quickly complete. Forgot about the VFL. Uh, so an 18-point win for Footscray at the Western Oval, 11-11-77, Carlton, 8-11-59. Shaki with three goals. Great to see him uh, come in. Kavara and Waitman with two each. Eugle Hagen, Nichols, Bedendo, and Wallace each getting one apiece. Lewis Young. 31 disposals, 17 marks. I don't know how many of those marks were. Well, I've got 16 uncontested at the moment here. But okay. I think it's also, it's an interesting balance too. He had seven rebounds from defensive 50, as well as three inside 50s. You know, it's a bit strange for him to, to be one of the ones that it delivers the ball forward. Um, I'm trying to work out this here. What else have we got? He's got, even strange enough, here you go. This is ironic. Seven handball receipts, which... Young. I wouldn't be suspecting he'd be the one to be, um, you know, taking the ball onwards. But um, who else did you mention? Kavara, so two goals from his uh, 21 touches as well. From yeah, yeah, 21 touches. So uh, Wallace and McComb, I think it's McComb, at 26. McComb, Sullivan, McComb, 24. Kavara, Cormac, and Garcia each getting 21 disposals. I think there's another name you're missing that's been in the frame for a little bit. Because let's say Hunter... Is it Honeychurch? No, no, it is not Honey Church. No. It is a fellow by the name when we were at the, the Giants game uh, on that uh, post the match, of course. They made mention of a fellow called Lewis Butler. And I'm intrigued yes. to see. I'm intrigued to see because we like to focus on speed. And that's also probably why there's been the preference for Hannon over Wallace or who, over a combination of other uh, medium sized forwards. He's got the speed to go well with it instead of the the grunt, you know, because we've got enough grunt in the forward half and in the midfield. But- Nine, 19 disposals, including 15 kicks, five inside mm-hmm. 50s and six marks for Lewis Butler. He has, yes, he's been someone who's what else shown I, a bit in the last What else can I give you there? 14 uncontested, seven handball receives. Yep, that sounds about right. He had nine effective kicks from what I can see, I think. And Although just... 15, but yeah. And just with... The because uh, obviously we mentioned the changes earlier. If you've got those three coming in, let's assume that Gardner, Williams, and uh, English all come in. I'd say Gardner wouldn't though, personally. Okay, but let's assume, but I'd yep. say he wouldn't. I think he's an order of confidence player, so I think he'd come through the VFL. But all that's right. just that's would just you, me. Would you consider bringing in anyone in else in on form? Because it so goes it goes against because it goes against. Yeah, what we've been saying, you know, don't make too many changes. But yeah, and we might ha- we might ironically have to, isn't it? So yeah, and this is, this, this, is, is, is you know, 
But who are the force changes in terms of us at the moment? Force changes. The force changes. There, well, there are none that we can really confirm at this stage. The bar, only one that bar, bar Hunter, Hunter. Uh, yeah. but like we can't categorically rule him out yet. No, and I don't think the club the... will. What are we? What are we? Saturday night. I so. think he'd probably be one. I think they'd, they'd probably most likely still fly him up. I'm pretty sure. Yeah. So there's no force changes yet. Not yet. Interesting. I oh, here we go. Here's here's one for me. Well, I've got one of two options, but the question is, do they play or not? So, provided if Hunter doesn't uh, come up, we know Smith is sort of struggling a bit on the wing, though, unfortunately. But I would probably look to switch Trelaw to the outside and then see if he wanted to go and have a bit more grunt on the inside with either Wallace playing there alongside Libba to, to cover up the loss of Duckley. The question is, I don't know whether that's the best move, but in terms of you wanting to play to our best strength, then you bring in another inside ball winner. But the one name that I do really want to see have an opportunity rather soon is Cody Whiteman with his tackling pressure, yes. his harassing of the ball. This is exactly what we need. A crafty small forward, you know, the pesky pain. They know what to do. They know where the goals are. Just add just it to the how real. Annoying, yeah, just add it to the real. We've just seen how annoying Betts was against us again. Yeah. Fourth time. Would it be years, wouldn't it be nice for someone like that to be on small, our side? It would be nice. Yes, it would be. When was the last time we've had a small forward? Let's say kick a bag, but kick greater than three goals, actually, genuinely. Uh, well, Dixon kicked a bag of Dixon kicked a bag of seven against Fremantle. He obviously kicked a few fours in there as well. At time. He did. That's been a while. He did kick a, a good few. Probably, probably would have been. Oh, geez. I might have to maybe even look only back to the North Melbourne game, you know, four matches back, six matches back, but I don't even know. I think I'd have to go back to 2019 to figure out a small forward that's actually uh, genuinely had a, a field day to an extent on our end, of course. What's really I think coming it'd be to very mind? Very, yeah, so I've got very no reason. idea about Dixon, ah, seriously. Hang on. What about, what about, yes, I've got one. What about uh, Clay, got? Clay Smith's first half against the GWS in the preliminary final? Oh, you, can go a bit late. you can go a bit later than that, too. You can go back to around 7, 2017 then. Yeah, I, guess I could too. Well, again, it's like Keith yeah. and Ruffin, Two, two fine matches. <laughs> <laughs> Keith and Ruffin, of course, it was. Um, Beautiful I, things. I think, unfortunately, that might just have to, to do us some, I'm afraid. In case I didn't I mention it just as, as well, one final uh, injury obviously the big one, Eugle Hagen. I can't believe it took us an hour to mention his name at long last. He was concussed in the late in the first quarter, I think it was on the weekend. He um, bumped from the opposition. It was in a contest. It was, so in, it was in a tackle. Like he was play, laying the tackle. Play. So no, no problem fair there. Uh, obviously the mandatory 12 day uh, layoff means that he won't play his, um, uh, he won't make his debut for the mm. Bulldogs next week for any journos that were interested in asking the question. Do you, do you <laughs> think he's 111% committed? Committed? Oh, I don't know actually. I don't know. I think he's Not too good much. Enough. Of, I think he's too much of a rock star. I'd say we have to trade him to, isn't it? Yeah, I reckon so. Maybe for a future second. I agree. So we can also pay some of the salary cap as while well. we're at it. Dude, yeah, I think. Maybe, Take a maybe, leaf out of guys' book for the price. <laughs> maybe three hundred thousand a year. <laughs> yeah. Do you think he can be the fall guy? I can't believe Fox didn't use that pun. <laughs> Seriously, I can't believe they didn't use that. Oh, that's, a, that's that's a missed opportunity. But I do think that that's going that's mm. to have to do but us for an- one more pun. One more pun. Oh no! Comes the hour, comes the man. That could have been used. <laughs> Seriously, how, how did how how did those words not come out of my mouth? 
I know this is disappointing for you, Matt, but <laughs> you're right. We've got to wrap it up. So I've enjoyed this up. episode. Uh, Very good fun, though. It has been. It has been a blast. To all those people that, uh, and well, when I say all people, I basically mean debt. Uh, to those who sent through questions through Twitter, we do apologize for for not being able to answer those. You can imagine there's just so much to get through. What I reckon, and I'm just putting this on the fly to you, Nick. What we will do is we will reply to those uh, to your I questions. Think we will. Yeah, we will I reply to your questions on Twitter. An answer from myself, an answer from Nick, which I, I think is fair. You've gone to the effort of asking, and it's only fair that we get back to you on that. Uh, if you do want to listen to any of our other episodes throughout the season, of course you can check us out by searching the Salty Bulldog into any search engine that gives you your favorite. Uh, your favorite podcasts, including Spotify and Apple Podcasts, please do uh, listen to them. Maybe even subscribe as well if you if you're feeling uh, if you're feeling that inclined that way inclined. You can also check out our social media pages on Twitter. Type in at the Salty Bulldog. We've also got outlets on Facebook and YouTube just by typing in the Salty Bulldog. We've got our Instagram page, which is gaining notoriety, of course, the Salty Bulldog, and our website as well, www.thesaltybulldog.wixsite.com forward slash home. But until then, my name has been Matthew Donald. I've had Nick with me once again. To wherever you've been listening around the world, we do thank you for your time. And until next week, take care.